0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: From Tribune Audio Network, this is the Phraseology Podcast. Since 1981, Ken Burns has been making documentaries, 32 of them to be exact, which is an insane number if you think about it. I think the more impressive thing is not the number but the subjects burns doesn't really use a theme or a topic he just makes great documentaries many people have seen his films about baseball jazz the national parks and several others he was even bringing awareness about the central park five seven years before the netflix series was made his latest documentary it's called country music and it has a lot of people talking about the early years of country before it was invaded by pop stars When people like Patsy Cline, Johnny Cash, and Hank Williams were household names. I think what most people don't realize is there are still some bands that stick to the traditional style of country. Obviously, they updated a little bit with some modern flair, but the sounds are still similar. Today, I'm talking with one of those artists, the Kansas City Cowboy himself, Dusty Rust. I've known the artist personally for about three years now, and with the talk of Ken Burns' new work coming out... I thought it would be the perfect time to bring Dusty in and talk about it. But before we get to our conversation, let's listen to a song by Dusty Rust. This is Don't Want to Go to Heaven.
0: Well, oh, don't you know, there's a deep, dark hole called hell Where all the bad people go I might be going there myself, sooner I lose all of my hair. And oh, demons come and take away my soul. Cause up in here from angels sang, while plucking on old hop strings, and down in there, it's old banjos and steel guitars. So if you're floating on that cloud, sell your soul and come on down. I don't want to go to heaven, I got whiskey here and Young. I had a preacher who spoke a tongue I was a wireless singer, ran around in the south Well, i go to church on Sunday But I've raised here by a fun day And I've grown that I ain't never turned around I believe all these will sing While the pluck and all the hard train sit down and head each and Shows and steel guitars if you're floating on that cloud, share your soul and come on down. I don't want to go to heaven if they got whiskey. Go to church on Sunday, but I'd be raised to hell by Monday. fun day, and I'd run, but I ain't never heard around. So, beautiful angels sing, while they're plucking on hot drinks, down in hell it's old banjos and steel guitars. Well, if you're floating on that cloud, save your soul, and come on map. I don't want to go to hell Floating on that cloud your soul And come on down I don't want to go to heaven If they got whiskey Here in hell And I don't want to go
1: Dusty, you play, you know, you play a modern, a very modern version of country music now, but you also include a lot of the old school songs. Obviously, this documentary is going around. A lot of people are talking about it. Country music lovers and not. What is it about that, that kind of old country music that you think people really like connect with and why you include it in your shows uh, today still? Uh, I'd
2: say the honesty part of it is the biggest thing, you know, people identify with it because it's songs about real life, you know, and that's the whole thing that attracted to me too. It was the lyrics and stuff. It's like the, the lyrics are the real important part because obviously there's many types of music, uh, including country, having many types of sub genres or whatever, you know, you got everything from tractor rap clear down to pop country to, you know what they call outlaw country to whatever some people call it old school, but there's even, you know, sub varieties in that, you know, every generation seems to hate the next one sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's the biggest part about country music. Uh, you know, I just, I, did, I identify with the, the, the honesty that goes along with it. And the, um, it's just a, it's just a, it's a real thing, you know,
1: these older artists, Willie Patsy Cline, Billy Joe Schaefer, you know, what is it that's different about them? That's the the other because you said kind of the next generation doesn't really like what the last one, or, or what the next one is. The last mm-hmm. generation doesn't like what the next one is. What do you think so different about theirs compared to like the modern stuff and uh, the country that's coming out
2: on the radio? Um, well, a lot of it's just evolution, you know. People trying new things and you know technology changing the way people like listen to music and all that. You know, there's you know been a lot of change obviously uh, in the last well, I mean fifty years now. If you're talking like nineteen seventy where the outlaw movement started all the way until now. Um, <clears throat> uh, people identify with those people, you know, it's like the outlaw movement, for instance, you know, like what was it? Easy rider kind of came out and motorcycles and stuff. And, you know, so the, the marketing at the time was probably geared, you know, to that tall kind of, you know, rough looking, you know, guy like, like Waylon Jennings or somebody, or, you know, Willie Nelson kind of having the hippie thing with the braids, you know, and the bandana and, and the look was kind of there. And, you know, they just kind of, literally struck the iron, you know, like while it was hot. And, uh, you know, just, I think it resonated a chord with people at that time and the culture and what, you know, was going on. I think if I remember right, I remember reading or seeing or something a while back about, uh, honky tonks kind of being more pre- prevalent back then, like with the, uh, uh, dance craze, like the urban cowboy thing too. I think what was that late seventies or, uh, I'm not sure if my times are right. If, uh, you know, it's kind of early in the morning for a honky tonk <laughs> guy, but, um, yeah, there was some kind of, uh, I think that's just it, man. Like a lot of it has to do with marketing and stuff too, you know, I mean, m- you know, music aside, you know, there's, there's so much other business stuff that goes on. I mean, you know, if you look at the research that record labels and stuff do, you know, like, like the wanted the outlaws record, for instance, you know, that, you know, it's four different artists, you know, and they pulled tunes from their, uh, each artist's catalog that had already been released or about to be released they made a, it's literally a compilation record. You know, it's not like they sat out and they go, we're going to make this record. And and it became like the first platinum selling country record ever. Um, and yeah, at the time marketing was great and everything was there and uh, people identified with that. And well, everything has a way of running its course. So then here comes the next generation. And, uh, and then you get, uh, synth, uh, synthesizers introduced and stuff. So, and drum machines, you know, start taking their place. Like what was it? Juice Newton, I think had some, you know, clap samples and stuff, you know, in the early 80s, mm-hmm. uh, country, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Some of it's kind of hard to listen to for me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you still got a go memory row, you know? Right. And
1: so you kind of play a, a more modernized changed version of honky tonk. Do you have any, do you ever get backlash or anything from like people who like, you know, when you're, when you're adding in crazy effects and how do You get any negative oh, sure. feedback already, or you, is it mostly positive?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not even sure if it's a bad feedback, but some people look at you kind of like cross-eyed and go, "What is this hillbilly hipster?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm like, well, whatever. I mean, but you know, I you know, I growing up, you know, I've listened to all kinds of music. You know, it wasn't just country music in my life. You know, I I you know I've got a pretty wide listening range of. Uh, you know, I played jazz in high school. I was a drummer. You know, and I you know I was really into like uh, Art Blakey and, you know, a little bit of Buddy Rich. Everybody likes Buddy Rich because, you know, his phenomenal drumming skills or whatever, but, um, it's just fun to listen to yeah. Just, and, you know, and just, you develop like an ear for like listening for like, you know, the improv part of jazz is something I've always loved, you know, like not so much free jazz, but, you know, musical masterminds that, you know, that understood like theory really like, you know, they, they like you talked about the, the, I'm trying to think if I'm uh, Ornette, was it Ornette Coleman or that no, wasn't Ornette? It was, a uh, Drawn a blank here, but anyway, there's, there's guys that like make these circles with, you know, chords written all the way around it. I can't remember what it was called, but, um, literally every chord, circle ha- of fifths. yeah, the circle of fists. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, you know, guys that just like understood that and knew how to, you know, play all the way around, you know, any kind of form or structure or phrase, you know, in music. And then, uh, that's kind of what I started doing is start blending things in the country, like from everything that, um, I started, you know, when I first started doing it, you know, I was just like, I want to make something that just sounds just like old golden era country music because I had this old reel, reel, and I just wanted to sound like grainy and just old. And then, and then as you kind of, you know, a couple years later, you keep going with it and keep going with it. And then, and then you start to lose fear of like composure or or composition. Like you lose the fear of like, I I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. I'm just going to, you know, make music. If I want to put like some garage rock influence into what I'm doing, I'm going to do it. And generally, I think overall, it's been a pretty positive uh, uh, pretty positive feedback from most folks. But, you know, I don't know. I, You know, you get a lot of, hey, great job, you know. And that's always fine, Dandy. And you get a lot of people like, man, I don't know. Like, I'm not really into country music. That's fine, too. But, you know, I generally try to keep the noise on the outside and not let it affect what I do as an artist, you know.
1: Let's talk about your newest album just a little bit. And specifically, I want to talk to you about uh, your first track. we to go with uh, No One to Blame. And... Um, I mean, it just comes out kind of paying tribute to a lot of sounds from the American West, and then you really like get into this modernized version uh, or this modern song. How did this whole thing come together, and like, what was the original story behind behind
2: creating this song? Um, Well, the song itself uh, came from a. A demo I'd made and I actually wrote the lyrics with a good friend of mine, Tyler Giles and Brooke Blanche. Um, but we literally, I had to, I had this chord progression and I think I had, um, the first line of the chorus written and maybe the second and I just got stuck. And so we literally all sat down and it was the first time I've had two of the songwriters in a room and we literally chiseled away the song. Like we sat down and literally gave each other crap left and right, you know, when somebody come up with a stupid line or stupid lyric, it would be like, what the hell is that? And, you know, <laughs> so we literally like kind of belittle each other in this really playful way, you know, like, uh, but you know, nobody was scared of like saying their piece and, and, you know, it was, it was a, it was a great way to work and, uh, I really enjoyed the process and wish we could have done more of that. So hopefully we'll be able to do that in the future. But
1: did it start beginning to end? Like you just came up with the first line and then just yeah. kept going all the way through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When did you know you had your chorus then? Like, did you just do that, like, is the mathematical formula for it based on, like, just the song is how it was, you know, you're like, okay, we're going to do two bars of eight mm-hmm. or whatever. And then we're yeah. going to jump into the chorus or.
0: Yeah, well, I, I
2: basically had a, an overall uh, idea of how the arrangement of the song, like how I wanted the music to kind of go. Um, you know, I had that idea, too. Like, I been, I was, uh, I mean, we, of course, you know, we like to do a lot of experimentation while we record, too. So usually there's like a bass track. And then, you know, there's kind of like, like, so you might have some drums, bass, and guitar, and then, you know, you, you know, you really want the lyrics to be good. And then you want, you know, to make sure you're singing good too on top of that. So usually somewhere's kind of in between there where we start tracking, you know, like sometimes we don't always do vocals last, uh, but I think in that case we might have. And then, um, and then after that, you know, you kind of start putting the instruments on there cause it's also fun to get interplay between instruments and the vocals too. If you'll hear like sometimes, I mean, the fiddle in that song kind of dances around with the lead vocal does and and steel guitar same time thing they kind of chime in and then they also have their own musical conversations with each other where sometimes they play in harmony where they Mickey Mouse each other and then there's other times where like there's call and responses that happen you know uh, yeah it's just a magical thing like it it really helps having really talented musical friends that you know like Chad Graves for instance who played all over that record Uh, and Pat Fiddle a Buddy ours uh, out of Nashville um, who's a great fiddle player so
1: cool um We'll talk more about the album in just a second, but let's just pause and let's uh, take a listen
2: to No One to Blame. All right.
0: Walking the road, only the clothes on my back. Left in a hurry, I could pack my bag. No need for my things I had to leave them behind Though I have my reasons I still remember a time Back then the days were bright and We held hands all through the night What's happened now I can't explain It's just not the same Tried to revive what we both seemed to be It all was still new But the love that we had wasn't real I had to choose between you And what I knew was right A love that grew cold Long before I said goodbye Back when the days were bright, we held hands all through the night. What's happened now, I can't explain, it's just not the same. I start to feel so tight While those I call friends in the cars only pass me by The love that we share is the last thing that we had to lose With nothing to bind us, there's nothing left but the truth Back then the days were bright We held hands all through the night What's happened now, I can't explain It's just not the same No one's complained Back then the days were bright We held hands all through the night now, I can't explain yeah. Just not the same No one's to blame
1: You've told me the story before, but and I know that you've you've talked about it a little bit, but you haven't really gone into a lot of detail. When I've heard you talk about this on stage, but the process of making this CD, you did it all yourself, and you did it with the help of Chad Graves. Mm-hmm. And describe this room that you guys were working in, like during the time that you were actually
2: like recording the whole album. Well, Graves, you might have to help remind me here exactly what was going on but if I remember right it was there was an ice storm it was just cl- Was it close to Christmas I, I think it was I think it was right on the holidays right it was in December sometime I think and um, we had an ice storm come through and then it snowed on top of the ice so it was just dangerous as hell to get around town and uh, we'd already made a plan to record for about f- three or four days I think and um, we had most of the ideas ready to go. And I think I had some basic tracks down already, um, just for like kind of guiding, you know, everything through, um, the songs, um, I guess you call them scratch tracks in studio lingo. Um, and so gravy shows up and we have a Christmas tree and a mountain of guitar cases. And then there's like, I don't know how many steel guitars like on the, I mean, you could not walk anywhere in that house without like picking up an instrument and either playing it or moving it out of your way to get to where you were going. And, you know, guitar pedals, it was kind of like the Indiana Jones of recording <laughs> gear, you know, cause you're trying not to step on guitar pedals in between. And, uh, and we had cords strung out throughout the house, you know, the bathroom was an ISO booth and all that stuff. And laundry room was another ISO booth. You can stick an amp in there and play that while you record somebody playing piano or something. And, um, so yeah, we, we get, we set everything up and then, uh, uh somewhere in the middle i think it was day 2 or day 3 um pat who was playing fiddle on the record um got into a car wreck because of the ice oh and stuff man. and like in a, in a hotel parking lot and then he um he called gravy and he's like hey man i wrecked my car it's going to be a couple of days before it can get fixed um what are you up to like he's like well we're actually making a record Do you know you want to uh come hang out with us like you know we'll feed you and and we'll play music and it was like okay so he came out and uh and that's how he got involved and um but yeah it was just, it, 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 of course the weather didn't let up and then so the 4-day recording session turned into about 7 I think and just continued on so wow and yeah but a lot of it was just we were up you know we would be up until 5:30 in the morning and then coffee would start again at 7:30 there wasn't really any sleep it was just kind of like a lull I guess you call it you know <laughs> like in the chaos and cuz we just worked so intensely you know like we've always worked really well together and it just kept Yeah, it just flowed. And then like when you just flow, you just like you just do it until like you're just completely like I didn't even when we were done, I didn't feel exhaustion like I I didn't feel like we had still tapped all the creativity out of that particular record yet. So we probably could have kept going, but uh, we both both might be divorced. (laughs) That would have happened. So
1: so I'm trying to imagine this if you have all of this stuff and how are you incorporating all of it together then into like into each song, are you just using like one guitar and one sound effect for like one note in a song? And then you move, like, you know, you're doing this in every song, just like add a little bit or. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and that's the thing too. Sometimes arrangement, you know, arrangements can be also, uh, can benefit from being subtractive. So sometimes you just build a bunch of stuff up And then go back down, chisel back through it and take things out, you know. Um, There's just a lot of different ways of working, you know. Um, In that particular case, sometimes we chop things up. Sometimes it'd be perfect. I'm like, oh, no, we just like that. Let's just leave that the way it is or, um, you know. But a lot of it, yeah, just experimentation, you know. And, again, I keep going back to the the fear, the lack of fear in uh, composition, you know, and getting it, you know, just not being scared to be different and, you know, do something different that you think some – old hillbilly out in Georgia is going to be like, this ain't country music or whatever, you know? Yeah. Cause it's still country music to me, you know, or maybe somebody else, um, but maybe not to, you know, I don't know. That's not my decision to make, you know, yeah. I just make the music. So,
1: well, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier and the, a little bit of what you're saying brings it up then it's, so why, why specifically is country or your your style of country, like what you chose to like really pursue in music. If you, you know, I know that you've had other bands, mm-hmm. um, but this one seems to be the one that's sticking. Mm-hmm.
2: So why country? Yeah, that That's a really good question. I still can't figure it out. <laughs> you know, I, I think it just, it, it's a big part of who I am. You know, I grew up on a farm and, uh, uh, my parents, you know, they, my dad, he runs cows and stuff, and he's been doing that for a while. So there is like the the actual rural farm aspect, which is a you know lifestyle I really enjoy, and I've always enjoyed cowboy culture in general. You know, um, always enjoyed you know country and stuff. But uh, it just kind of um, it, it's it's one of those things that I think it just resonates really well with with, with uh, yeah, it just resonates with who I am as a person. It just you know, it, it just it when I play it, like I, I feel like who I am, who I am or I am who I'm supposed to be, you know, like, I feel like it, it just, uh, if that makes any sense at all, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, yeah. It just, it just feels like a big part of my life, you know, and music in general is, and you know, like I said, I, I try not to get too big into the whole, is it country or isn't country type of thing? Cause I just, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of music first and foremost, you know, far more than I'm a musician. And, uh, uh, you could call me a country musician or a honky tonker and you, know, but to me, I'm just a, a musician or whatever, a fan I'm, you know, fan of music. And, and I, you know, like I'm not scared to get up and, you know, play with a jazz band or a funk band or, you know, even a hip hop group if they, you know, wanted to make some, something horrible with me. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, overall I just, you know, yeah, I just, just love sitting down and picking, you know? So, um, it just happens to kind of come out with a little bit of a twang. So,
1: right. you, have used in the past, branding Kansas City Cowboy, mm-hmm. but you're not living in Kansas
2: City anymore.
0: So oh. are you still
1: branding with the Kansas City Cowboy?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, might, yeah, might as well. I mean, I guess that'd be the dusty rust origin story. You know, he just kind of crawled out of the the Missouri mud somewhere, and you know, <laughs> billied up to the bar, and everybody was like, "Well, where's your where's your horse?" And I'm like, "Well, sorry, it's just all hat, no horse. I got a guitar though." And, And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Kansas City was a great home for us for like five years. And, uh, we had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of awesome times, spent a lot of awesome friends down here and got to play with some amazing acts and and musicians. And, uh, you know, doing the uh, Thursday nights down at the Westport Saloon, you know, every Thursday night, you know, just playing for four hours and all the folks we got to meet doing that. I mean, you know, it's basically home. And I think the brand would sticks with that just because like We did it for so long here that, you know, if you think about five years, you know, like another 20 years could go by and I'd still like the steel origin came out of Kansas city. I mean, granted, we were doing this kind of stuff out. My wife and I were playing out in Portland with the same, some of the same songs and stuff. But, um, I mean, we just, we didn't really get serious about it until we decided to sell everything we owned, get into a crappy old Astro van and drive around the country until we found a place that we wanted to live. So,
1: so what made, what made you think that like kin city was that place when you guys
2: decided to leave the west coast um i could tell you um we got down here and on our way down here we like everybody was so incredible at the saloon we had such a good response when we played our first show there and it was just her and i i was sitting on a suitcase with a bass drum pedal to keep time while she played bass and i played guitar and that was our band at the time you know when we first got out here and then we went all the way down to nashville um, played there a little bit. And we actually were there for about a month cause we thought we were maybe going to live there, but it got too freaky. Cause we, you know, we'd already left Portland, Oregon and we kept meeting people that we knew from Portland or people that knew our friends in Portland. And then it just felt like Portland. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, I got to get out of this town, you know? And, uh, so it just didn't fit, you know, it didn't feel right. But when we came through here, like Kansas city had this magnetic, uh, thing going on for it. And the music scene was incredible too. Like the blue scene here is amazing. Uh, jazz scene's amazing. Um, and it's affordable to be an artist too. You can actually pay rent here and be a, be an artist. You you don't, you don't have to sling drywall mud all day, you know, if you don't want to.
1: You had an entire album that was the Kansas City Cowboy. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your favorite track off that? And does it, does that album, is that different for you because I was one of the first ones that you had when yeah we were here
2: yeah it was one of those because that, that's the one of those weird things where I you know wound up playing everything on that record and I just started learning how to play the banjo um so my favorite track off that record is probably Countryside Ride um I can't remember it's like I think I recorded that one maybe during the end of that recording process but I was still you know still working on you know like I'm always working on myself working on getting to be a better player better musician better songwriter whatever um, but you know, some of those songs, like, uh, you know, I felt I could have done better on, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, this whole record was, I think there was some spots there. Every time I listened to it, I, I you know, go back and go, Oh, Ooh, could have done better <laughs> on that one. But I think countryside ride was pretty close to like as good as I could have done in that time period. Um, you know, like I just got that little banjo riff going and it, and it took me a couple of days to like get the roll right and just get my fingers working right. And, uh. And then, you know, it, I kept building on the arrangement and it, and it, and it happened so seamlessly, like everything I did, like just added and added and added. And then, and, and then by the time that song was done, I was pretty proud of it. I was like, you know, I thought, Oh man, there's going to be tons of people going to like love this song. This is like, you know, had like a, you know, an 808 drum in the background. And, and then I was like, I was so excited to show the world and then, I can't remember if I got, it got posted to YouTube or something, and I think after the first month it had like three views or something. <laughs> so <laughs> it didn't exactly like take off like I thought it would, but you know I, I was still one of those moments. Where I was like I was pretty proud of that one. So
1: you kind of mentioned this. So what as an artist, you know, when even when you're not getting a great response on something that you build up in your own head. Mm-hmm why how do you just keep or why do you just keep pushing forward and to continue to put out more art even though it's not necessarily getting the you know yeah
2: you're not getting the attention that you think that it yeah, fully notoriety deserves. or something yeah yeah uh man you know the biggest part of it is just because it's a big part of who you are like you have to do it like you have to create you have to have output you know that's like your that's your, your lease, you know, like, that's just what gets you off, you know, it's like just, uh, putting one foot in front of the next. I mean, if, if every day I came home after work and I sat down and I turned on Netflix, you know, and I didn't, you know, and and then maybe watch some football and then, uh, and then get up and go to work the next day and then, you know, wait for the weekend to come and be so tired from work and all the, you know, like I, I just, I, to me, that just sounds like being it might as well be in prison, you know, like like just, you know, you just, you know, you're just living to work, you know, where even though it is work, you know, and it's a, it is a job, you know, being an artist. Um, it's something that, you know, when it's a part of who you are, it makes it that much easier to just keep going forward with it. It's uh, um everybody's got their own definition of success, you know and uh you know mine is just at the end of the day like how did you feel about that performance or how did you feel about that you know just like you know you're not always going to win every crowd over you know you can i can't tell you how many nights we've played in these bars like gravy and i've gone to certain shows and played biker bars like oh these people gonna love us and they're all clearing the the other side of the room they're talking (laughs) louder than we're playing and you know they don't they don't care at all about what we're doing you know and it doesn't matter like we're still playing and we're still doing what we're, we're there to do and and uh you know, it, it, it's not always, it's not always, uh, you know, roses, but it's, uh, you know, I have zero regrets though about, you know, because every, every gig, good, bad or another, I mean, it's, it all adds up into, uh, you know, what, what, what you, what you become, you know, it, it just, it builds, I guess it's character building maybe, I don't know, but yeah, it, it uh, makes for good stories too, you know, it's like, a, it's all a big journey. It's, it's life, art, art is life, right? Does that make sense? It's art. It's art. It? Yeah. Ah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's go back. Let's listen to uh, "Countryside Ride."
0: Right? All right. Hi.
1: If you're enjoying this episode of the Crazology podcast, make sure to click subscribe to keep up with new episodes. We also have other interviews with musicians that live in and tour through Kansas city, including Brooke Blanche and Ben folds. Also make sure to check out other podcasts from Fox 4 Kansas city, like getting comfortable with Mark Alford and it's a date with Kim Burns and Shannon O'Brien. Now let's get back to my conversation with dusty rust. You and your wife have been playing music together for quite a while, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And, um, how has that has your relationship changed by the fact that you're musicians and you're playing together and this is not just what you do as artists but what you're doing as uh partially a business and mm-hmm. and 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 you know these things can be tough on any relationship
2: sure well i'll tell you what um especially on the business end of things it's been the best decision i ever made to start playing music music with my wife because uh uh, she's got a far better brain than I do <laughs> and uh, she's got the acumen to, uh, to see things over and be responsible. So, uh, whereas myself, um, you know, I, I could easily spend gig money, you know, uh, on things that I shouldn't be, you know, but she's, uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, the biggest thing with us is like she works hard at playing bass and it's been great for me cause it forces me to sit down and practice and it forces us to, to, work at things together. And, um, I think that's, I think it's actually strengthened our marriage, you know, over the time. Cause, um, yeah, we played in separate bands for a while and then, you know, I took off and did a tour, uh, before I started doing the Dusty Rust thing, um, for about, I was gone for about close to three months and didn't see her. And then I got home and I was like, man, we need to play in a band together. Cause I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to be separated for three months at a time while I do this kind of stuff. You know, it was just, uh, so that's kind of when I made a decision, like, yeah, you're going to play country music with me. And, and she didn't really like, I think she may have listened to some classic country records, but not, you know, she was really into, um, Riot girls stuff. And, uh, um, you know, the garage scene, stuff like the Sonics and stuff like that. And, uh, she was just like, what country? Okay. And, and, uh, yeah, I kind of I maybe forced her into it a little bit. Like, honey, you have to do this for me. And <laughs> she, maybe she just felt sorry for me. So she went along with it and, it's worked out real well ever since. Kind of, obviously,
1: like, you know, you you just said, obviously it takes a lot of practice to consistently get better, be a good musician. Um, Practicing country and creating that sound is very different than, you know, a lot of the music that's out there today. So how do you create an actual, like, how do you make something sound country? Why, why would people
2: just know that genre specifically by that word? Yeah. Um, I guess it'd be your, it's, it's about your attitude and approach. I think is the biggest thing. Like when you listen to like, you, George Jones is like probably one of the, if not arguably the best country singer, you know, in the history of country music. Um, and he's got a very distinctive drawl when he sings and there's been countless imitations of his particular drawl. everything from like Travis, uh, Randy Travis is like, comes to mind as like a, a huge imitator of like, uh, George Jones. And like, um, and you listen to the way like Travis Tritt sings and the way they approach the mic and the way they just, you know the way that rolls off the, the front of their mouth, you can hear them like trying to sing. It's like, it's, you know, even, you know, Travis Tritt, for instance, like you can hear like, he does that cover, that Elvis song, you know, Trouble and he just freaking you know, it's a rocking song, but that approach he takes to sing kind of like George, you know, it, it, it sounds country. It just, it gives it that twang and that flavor. Um, it's just all those mi- unmistakable bullet points like that draw and then the, and then the little chime of the steel guitar once in a while. I mean, you know, like even though, what's the, uh, the hip hop hop song that came out, uh, the, the dirt road one, uh, uh, the, the hip hop artist just came out with a song oh. and it caused a hell of a controversy.
1: Are you talking, it's like the, the get up challenge or whatever. No, it's not the get uh, up no, challenge, it was, but it's uh, uh, something. Um, Oh
2: man, what is uh, that? little loss X came out with that song. Uh, and he actually, it was charted on the country charts and billboard actually, uh, you know said no like this isn't country enough which is absolute horse crap because yeah like okay it's like okay so Sam Hunt can come in here with his basically EDM music you know right that's (laughs) I I don't honestly I don't understand how like they even call Sam Hunt country music whether or not you know if you're into some like if there were qualifiers for like what it is because I listen to Sam hunts music and I don't really even find a hint of country in it. Like right. I don't find it in the attitude, the approach or the drawl or anything. And then little nos comes out. I, I think, I think, I think it's older. I oh, Man, I'm going to get a lot of crap for not knowing this name of the song. Cause <laughs> everybody knows a song, but apparently you're not. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anybody, anybody. anybody? Oh, no. Man. Um, so anyway, he does a <laughs> song cause he plays a lot of red dead redemption video games and he's got this song that comes out and, uh, um, and to me, like the lyrical content alone was more country than like, you know, 98% of, you know, what qualifies for country music on country radio today. Plus he's got a banjo in it and they're like, Oh no, it's too hip hop. Cause it's got the trap beat in it. But it's like, you know, it's crap. Like they should let him stay on the country charts for this. You can call it whatever you want to call it. you know, it, it, when at the end of the day, it's still just music, you know? So like I said, you know, music really, you know, people, people like to make, you know, people like to categorize things and put up borders in it. But, I mean, you know, I don't know. Do you think they shouldn't? I mean, do you
1: think, like, people should stop considering? I mean, because even, the, like like you said, Billboard has different charts for different kinds of genres. Do you think it should all just be, like, people should just... There shouldn't be stations that just play one genre of music. There shouldn't
2: be... Well, there's, there's a lot of radio that does already. They, I call it the mono genre, where the music is so so intermixed that it just all sounds like the same, you know, like yeah. it's uh, you know, cause if you went to your pop station to your local modern country music station and I'm not putting it down, it's just, if that's what you listen to, I mean, it's hard to tell the difference between the two, you know, like Sam Hunt, for instance, is, you know, and I'm not picking just on him. Really it's just, hates Sam Hunt. Yeah, It's not a hate <laughs> thing. It's just, I'm saying like he basically makes pop music, you know, which is it, fine, you know, right. it, and the people love it. And, and, and I'm not putting them down, not putting him down, but it's, it's, to me, it sound it just sounds like pop music. And then if you went to the pop station, it'd fit right in with everything else they're playing right next to, uh, uh, you know, the Google dolls or anything else or whatever they might have on there. Uh, but, um, yeah, genres. I mean, I think the the importance of genres probably comes from, uh, you know, the culture and kind of where the music's coming from. It's kind of an identifier, you know, like because, you know, it's it's how it's how you it's the thing you use to describe music. But, you know, coming from a musician standpoint, you know, um, it doesn't, you know, barriers are meant to be crossed and, you know, blurred and whatever else, you know, and that's what makes music interesting because, you know, Johnny Cash, if you just listen to that same train beat, you know, for the next 60 years, every day of your life, you know, like, it's like sooner or later you're going to go like, man, isn't there anything else going on around here? You know, even, even though you might, you know, love the hell out of that now. Right. But but you know, maybe you need to put an 808 bass drum behind that thing, you know, <laughs> make it thump a little bit and you're like, Oh, Hey, you know, something a little different, you know? Well,
1: you have a song, like obviously your music isn't just catered towards like traditional country sounds. And like, we talked a little bit about that process, but, um, like what are your songs, Arizona? I mean, there's like kind of this end part where you just like, you just send people like, you know, the song goes for most pretty normal. And then all of a sudden you get a rule out there. Mm-hmm. Um, is that are you drawing from some pop influences on on those kinds of things or is that something where it's like you're you just are trying something new and it's stuck
2: and you liked it yeah um it's a combination of things i mean um i've always liked music uh like f- music that flows like flute like uh like in free jazz you know it's like it's like a train of thought type of thing and um i've always loved Uh, different musical techniques being put into music, you know, like, um, you know, there's the jam band stuff where you can just like, you got a form, you can just play over that and and there's improv going on. Well, sometimes it's kind of fun to take the improv across the entire arrangement where, you know, things can break down and things can go, you know, it it makes music more dangerous to listen to because, you know, it's not, you're like, wait, what's happening? This is not at all where I expected this to go and and, and in a way you can use it, it's it's useful, like almost like a hook, you know, like a, Cause it just, it'll catch you off guard, you know, like, wait, whoa, I didn't see that happening or where that, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. It, it, it's part of being creative too. Like, you know, cause sometimes, you know, when you play guitar and you hit that note and you can only bend it, you know, strike it, you know, finger pick it, you know, play it with your teeth. You know, sometimes you can, you know, bend the neck of the guitar, like do anything you can to like bring something else different about that particular note, you know, cause you're trying to make a statement and, uh, uh, sometimes that's what happens you know you're like well I ran out of ideas here so maybe I'm just gonna take the reverb pedal and just smash it on the floor you know 15 times in a row like just like you know with the, you know what's gonna happen now what do you think of this and it just you know gets you all worked up and then <laughs> next thing you know you got like what <laughs> I guess you're working yourself yeah, just working modern, just thinking core. about it like <laughs> hmm, you know, yeah 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 well, that's the whole idea. Like, we're actually starting to work on a new record um, these, uh, this this winter, so we're pretty stoked about that. We've been doing a lot of writing and stuff, and uh, just talking about making records is making me want to make another record, record nice. right now. So,
1: are, I'm curious, since you worked a lot with uh, musicians that are Missouri-based, Kansas City, and Springfield, mm-hmm. uh, are you working with different musicians, the same musicians, or are you doing this one, this next one, completely on your own?
2: Um, well, um, I've always, you know, my Missouri musician friends are like my lifelong, you know, partners, you know, so like if they're up there, they're going to be playing on my record, you know, for sure. Um, right now I actually have the same drummer, uh, Tyler actually recently moved up to Seattle. So, um, he's a lot closer proximity to me. Uh, so we're, we've, uh, we've actually played quite a few shows now, um, over the last couple of weeks. And then uh, one of my old bandmates, actually Chelsea and I have our old bandmate, Lizzie. Um, she's now playing piano for us. Um, and we've always had a really good musical chemistry and stuff and always been good friends for years. Um, so she was really a seamless fit as soon as we got up there. Just, she started playing with us and um, it just worked out fine. So um, yeah, it could be anybody. I mean, you know, we even started looking into doing some duets and stuff on the next record, you know, and uh, you know, kind of going that route. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, our musical family is, is pretty, pretty broad. And, uh, you know, I'm not scared to let anybody come in and just, you know, sing a track or, you know, play something on it or whatever. So it could be anybody. We don't have exact plans yet or arrangements made, but, um, yeah, I mean, it could, we could have all all kinds of guest appearances, you know? So who knows? I mean, get Sturgill Simpson to come on or something. I don't know. <laughs>
1: right, this is, uh, Arizona by Dusty Russ.
0: I had to see her again somehow, and I'm not afraid to take a chance. Her role ain't quite as friendly as a girl i would hoped to find. sheriff down in Tucson branded me a fugitive across state lines.
1: that's it for this episode of the craze podcast today's episode was produced by myself with production assistance from jacob orlowski and steven trammell and editing by jacob orlowski you can find more episodes at fox4kc.com or wherever you get your podcasts i can't help but mention about two and a half years ago i helped dusty record a video to promote a music festival in westport we have a link of that on our facebook page just search craze we have more episodes coming soon but until then this is airstream trailer by dusty russ
0: Just shine like an